Thank you for tuning in to an episode of 5678. You're listening to the podcast for non-professional dancers. 5678 is the direct result of a one-year dance challenge that I set myself on to become a better dancer. 5678 is an honest conversation about what it was like for me to start something new at the ripe old age of 29 in a town that's all about perfection during a time in my life where I found it hard to make it through the day. Thank you for listening to my struggle. Let's get started. Welcome to 5678, the podcast for non-professional dancers. I am your host, Jennifer Chang, and today with me I have Allie King. Allie, how are you, babe? I'm good. I'm very good. Good. I I can't believe we're already in November. It is the start of November. I know. The year has gone so fast. Goodbye, 2020. I know. I was I was at the bank yesterday and I was telling the bank teller, I was like, the days go by so slow, but the months fly by. True. I agree. It's been it's been the longest, shortest year ever. <laughs> yeah, that's a very accurate description. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so for those of you who have been listening to the podcast, today's episode is a little different. Um, in the last two episodes, I've been talking to people about how instructors and teachers are so far advanced, like they, they've been dancing for so long that they kind of forget what it's like to be um, an actual like beginner. Um, so I, and I, th- I thought about that for myself too. I was like, okay, I've been dancing for two years now. Like, what was it like two years ago when I was just stepping into the scene and trying to get into dance? So I kind of thought back and I thought, okay, like who reached out to me during my dance challenge and said that they wanted to try hip hop, but they never actually made the leap to it. Um, so that made me kind of go back through like my memory bank. And I kind of thought about Allie and Allie, you and I worked at um, a dance studio together. And I remember you telling me that you wanted to try hip hop, but not that I'm stalking you on social media or anything, but like <laughs> I, I saw that you had actually made the leap. Um, so kind of like give me a little background of like your dance journey and kind of how you ended up at S Factor. Yeah, so probably toward my late teens, I dabbled in ballet a little bit, um, but that did not work out. There were far too many mirrors in the room and I was far too, <laughs> <laughs> far too, uh, curvy I suppose I felt very my body felt very out of sorts in that in that room um and also maybe the technicality of it I wasn't that into the precision I think so I had a little stint with that didn't work out for me um but then I found salsa so for my early 20s up until like my mid-20s I was doing salsa um a lot I was part of a really great group um it was just super fun you know you have partner um really fun music it's very social there was all those aspects to it and it was all about like it really was all about having fun playing with somebody else so um yeah I enjoyed salsa a lot that was like the second kind of dance that I tried um and then after that I didn't dance for a while um but then I went to S Factor which is as you were saying that's where we met that's the dance studio that we worked at and that we danced at um and I loved that too because that also had what salsa had it was really fun it was a lot about having fun and doing what felt good and it wasn't as choreographed so it's like super it was just fun 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 and also it was a little risque because it's got the pole dancing part to it so I was like oh I want to absolutely (laughs) (laughs) so like so you're originally from Australia yes yes so the, your, your first kind of like dabbling in dance happened in Australia. 
Yeah, that's right. All of the ballet and salsa that was in Australia. When I came to LA, of course, there's like so many places to do salsa, especially Italy. So I played with that here a bit, but I didn't do a class here. Okay. So like, I, I mean, of course, I've never been in Australia, but like, what is the dance scene like in Australia? Is it like, is the, what's the predominant, like, I guess, style there? Like, I, of course, in LA, it's hip hop mostly. Um, but like, what's the predominant style in Australia? That is a really good question. So where I lived in Australia was, it's quite, it's one of the smallest cities of Australia. And in it's also a little conservative. Like there's a lot of churches and a lot of very like sweet. The persona of most people there is like sweet, very sweet people. Very like Southern Belle, I guess, if you could say. A little bit. I, yeah, okay. a little bit. That's the best probably comparison to the US. So, um, so you know what, for... For a lot of the women that I grew up with, it was ballet. It was ballet or, um, gosh, what's that thing called that's calisthenics? It's like gymnastics. Like Pilates kind of thing? No, it's like, it is like, you know when you see um, people doing like the ribbon in gymnastics? Oh, yeah. Like, I I don't know what you call it, but I know you're like like with props and like hula hoops and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Yes. It was like all of that stuff. So So it was, they were pretty popular. And then... Also, a super vibrant salsa um, network, and I don't know how or why that happened, but um, yeah, it's like very popular. Um, okay, for sure. Okay, so when you moved to LA, like, did you when you first landed in LA, were you like, were you did you have the intention of continuing dancing in anything, or were you just kind of like, I'm bored, let's see what else I can do? Yeah. You know, maybe a little bit of both. I knew that LA would be a good place to do salsa. I knew it. So I was like, oh, that's going to be really fun. Because probably most people here can do salsa. And like, I was just like, that's going to be really fun. Um, I, I didn't so much think like, oh, let me try something new. But when the pole dancing came across me, I was just like, oh like yes I want to this do seems fun yeah <laughs> yeah because I, I, I think you and I both landed in LA around the same time because I moved here yeah. in the summer of 2016 so and and I remember pole dancing being like this huge thing that like everyone was doing and everyone was talking about and like and I assumed that like it'd be like hush hush but like everyone was like oh yeah I took a pole dancing class <laughs> and they were just like talking about it posting it on Instagram and I was like it kind of like you, I was like, oh, this seems like it could be fun. And I was honestly just trying, I had just moved to a new city after living my entire life in Texas with like a few stints out of state here and there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just want something completely different. Like, I just want something that's not like anything I've done before ever. And that was definitely pole dancing. Um, so like, so before I did hip hop, I did pole dancing, I would say for like a little under a year. And then I started, like, as a student, I worked at S-Factor, and then I started working behind the desk, which is where you and I became closer, um, and I know you started S-Factor because you said you wanted more of a solo experience, so salsa, of course, is more, like, partner dancing, yeah. um, and then you did S-Factor because it's more solo, like, did, did that kind of, like, quench your thirst for a solo experience that you wanted? Somewhat, I mean, it, um, in both ways, it, quenched my thirst and then made me more hungry for it (laughs) everything at once it was like yeah I loved it yeah so for anyone that like um so S Factor is different from other pole studios like 
Um, S factor is more of like, kind of like how like do move how your body moves. It's very like, it's more of like a lifestyle thing than just learning how to do pull tricks. Um, in S factor, there are no mirrors in the studios. Um, and the lights are kept very, very low. And there is like minimal choreography. Like, and I mean like 10% of their whole like structure is choreography. Um, so when I did S factor, I will admit that like, I didn't feel completely at home. Like I felt like something was like not missing, but I felt like I wasn't, you know, like when you're like trying to put a puzzle together and like a puzzle piece kind of fits, but not really. That's how I felt about S Factor. Like, and like, I knew I wanted something different and I wanted it to be dance, but I couldn't figure out why S Factor wasn't it just yet. Um, and because for me, S Factor and hip hop are two like opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Because like in hip hop, there's mirrors everywhere. There's lights, cameras, actually like there's, and there's so many people. Like, I mean, yes, hip hop is a solo experience because you're doing it with your own body, but you're not alone in the studio. There's millions of, like not millions, but like <laughs> dozens of people with you. Um, and, and in S Factor, like you're taught to like not, I mean, you can watch other people, but you're taught to very like, be in your own body and feel what your body feels and like try not so hard to look like other people but in hip-hop that's kind of the point is you kind of gotta look like what the teacher is doing right um but for me hip-hop felt more i guess at home in my body than s factor did and i think honestly it's because i i like masculine things like i i call myself a masculine dancer so sometimes even just like dressing in like sexy clothes at s factor didn't feel comfortable but I'm super comfortable in sweatpants and like a baggy t-shirt dancing in in a hip-hop class yeah you know like how awkward is that you know (laughs) (laughs) but but I think like starting hip-hop kind of made me realize that about myself um but like when I started I was just very like determined for some odd reason like I'm gonna take a dance class I don't care where it is I didn't do much research I like opened Instagram found playground with the class that day um and I know for you that's different of course because you t- I, I think you took one hip-hop class right yeah I took one and I don't remember what it was it was some tiny place in Santa Monica um I took it with a couple of my friends. It ended up more of like, it was fun. It was almost like a joke. Like, I mean, I really wanted to go, but then the experience of it was like, oh, this was so silly. Like this didn't really feel, I didn't feel like, I wasn't like, oh yeah, like damn, I did that thing. Like I just did my class. Yeah, I danced, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So like after that experience, like, did you still want to do hip hop just as much or like did it lessen or like how did you feel about hip hop after that? Yeah, I still really wanted to do it, but, you know, because of that experience, you know, the main thing was, like, there were a lot of younger kids in the class, because it was a beginner class, right, hadn't really done hip-hop before, so I had that experience, and, yeah, that's not representative of, like, every experience that I could have had, but after I had just that one, I was like, mmm, I just got really turned off, and I was like, I don't know where to go, and then I saw online, um, this was years later you mentioned playground what i had but what i'd seen online was millennium and right so i was like that's like too advanced that's like so advanced and if it's if it's a spectrum of that to what i just did i don't even know where to start right. <laughs> 
like yes and i will say that that is very not like the like social media is great yes but sometimes it paints a picture that isn't really reality right like when you take those beginner classes that don't really feel like an actual dance class you're like oh and like and they're filled with kids you feel like oh this was just kind of like something you do here and there just for fun just to like get out of your routine every now and then and then you see videos like coming from millennium which are like Ooh. hardcore dancers really interesting choreography and like you're, and you're just like, you're amazed, but also like very intimidated, right? Yes. So you feel like there's no middle ground. You feel like that, like all the beginner classes are like for children. And then all the actual choreo classes are for professional dancers, right? Yeah. So then there's all these people like us in the middle who are like, okay, well, where do I go? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm like, I want to look that hot. And I don't right. do that when I'm in a class with Tiffany, the 13 year old, and, <laughs> you know, like, I just don't think I can. <laughs> I know what you mean. Like, though, like, I mean, a lot of hip hop classes use like R rated versions of songs. And I, when I see a child in class, I want to run over and like cover their ears. <laughs> I'm like, you shouldn't be listening to this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Ooh. And it's so funny because like their parents will like, because they got dropped off because they're children. So like their parents will be outside. Like, you know, like, just, like, you know, killing time while their child is, like, in class listening to, to songs about drugs and dancing. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, this is, this is not how we should be raising our children. Oh, my gosh. That's a really good point. That's, yeah. Yeah. But, like, because I, I was telling people, I was, like, sometimes when you're trying to figure out where to start, when you do look at these social media and the Instagrams and I know, I know you said you called places and you were like, and you asked questions, like what questions did you ask when you called these studios? Yeah. I typically always led with what was on my mind, which was the young kids thing. So I would call, you know, you can go online and look at them, but I had, I like, I really had to call and I was like, yeah, you know, I want to come to a dance class. I've seen what you have to offer. Like I've seen your schedule online but what will it look like when I get there? Is it going to be full of kids? It's okay if it is, but which ones will not? I need to know, yeah. Yeah, like, like lead me in a direction that's going to feel good for me because what I'm looking for is other adults like me that haven't done it before but want to try and it's going to be, and I'm going to be surrounded by people like me. And in puberty. Yes. <laughs> We're done with all of that. We're... <laughs> You know, we are adult people. Um, so, yeah, I would call, and typically that's what I would ask. Like, I've seen the classes you have available. Which one can I come to that's going to be the least full of kids? And, and or, like, if there are kids in there, like, what does it look like? Like, how old are they and what's it like? And that was tough. I don't know, because they typically couldn't really tell me, you know? Like, maybe, maybe there'll be a lot of kids in there. Maybe they won't be. This one tends to have a few less. But by less, I'm still telling you there's going to be quite a few. And I was just like, oh, like I don't, I, no matter where I called, I was like, I cannot find what I'm looking for. Yeah. Did you, you were, did you feel discouraged at that point when you were like, when you were calling multiple studios and you were like, I, I can't find anything that, that, that fits me, right? Yeah. I was like, I can't see anything that's going to there's literally nothing that I'm like, I know it's out there, but I cannot find what I'm looking for. And yeah, super discouraging. And I think that's, I went like in waves, like I'll be like, okay, I can't find anything. 
So I'm not going to look. And then a couple of months would roll around and I'm like, I really want to do this. Then I'd look at people and I couldn't find anything. And I'd be like, okay. And then another couple of months would roll around. And it was just kind of like this roller coaster of like really wanting to do it, feeling discouraged, wanting to do it, then feeling discouraged. Yeah. And I mean, I think it says a lot that it's still on your brain after all this time. Like, I mean, if you really didn't want to do it and like you called and like you legit tried and then you just kind of forgot about it, then I'd be like, okay, well, she gave it a shot, you know? But like the fact that it's still on your brain, like in waves, I mean, that's, that's natural. You know what I mean? Like I thought about dance for a very, very long time until I actually moved out of here and did it, you know? Um, but like, I, I think, cause I, cause I did, I called places too. Like I remember when I had done a few classes at playground and I was like, okay, well let me like expand. Like, let me see like where, like what else is out there. So I remember I was calling studios that I knew and a lot of the time, the people who answer the phone at the studios are like work study students. So like there are people who are like, you know, who work their front desk in exchange for free classes or like they're part of a program of like a six months or two a year to like train to be a professional dancer. And, and when, and when I, cause I, I would ask too, I was like, okay, well, how many beginner classes do you have in your schedule? And I think literally one of them was like, well, we have one on Fridays and like, and, and that, that was it. And I was like, wait a minute, like your whole schedule out of every class that you have, you have one beginner class on like Friday afternoons. Uh, and I was like, and she's like, well, yeah, she's like, and like, we have classes here and there, but like, we're, we not really sure. Cause like, I think the studio was also like rentals. So like if a, if a teacher wanted to rent it out, he could, but like the, the studio wasn't required to like know what class he was going to teach, you know? Um, so they had no control over it, but it was also, it's like, when and granted like these people who answer the phones aren't like they're not like trained on how to like guide people in like their dance journey right they're just there to answer the phone give you the info and that's it um and a lot of those people are in their like early 20s and most likely since they're in a work study program they've been dancing since they were very young so so they're not in a position to understand where we're coming from they're like like, like i think you could tell like from, like uh, from the voice like that i was using like in desperation like please tell me of a class i can take you know and they're they're just not equipped to deal with that like they're just equipped to give you the class schedule tell you how much it costs register you if they can and then they hang up the phone yeah you know that's what i was thinking while you were talking about that i was like yeah, I don't think at any point anyone picked up on the encouragement that I might have needed and the like, it'll be fine, you know, there's a few kids, but you'll have a lot of fun here. And yeah, totally. I relate to that. There, there wasn't much. And I mean, maybe that's why it's so good that you're doing this podcast too, because there was not much insight into like how intimidating it might be for someone that has never done it before. And not just that, but going to a studio you've never gone to before with people you've never met before, like all of the newness of it. It's just, yes. And that's what I tell people. I was like, when you're, even before you start being a dancer, you're very nervous about everything. Like you're, you're kind of like an open nerve. Like you're just like everything that you're exposed to kind of rattles you a little bit, you know? And, and I honestly think that like, from my experience working at S Factor behind the desk, because like, I mean, you and I both know like we get phone calls from people like wanting to take a class because it's pole dancing and the nature of the dance, people are just nervous. And they, and I think they call because they do, they need that little encouragement of like, will I be okay in this space if I decide to come? Which is, which is basically what we're all asking, right? Like the reason we ask questions is so that we can tell our brains, like I will be safe, I will be fine. 
I can go to this, right? Yeah. And and I th- and when people like when they <laughs> Cause I remember when I was on the phone with S like at S factor, people would be like, um, well, do I need any training to come do this? Or like, you know, how long will it take me to be a pole dancer? Like, will it take how, how many weeks is it that we learn tricks? Like they want to know all the questions like right then and there, like, instead of looking at it as a journey, which, which pole dancing is, they're like, okay, well, I want to know all the information. How long will it take? How many steps will it take before I set foot in the door? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And, yeah, that was actually the good part about S Factor that we were somewhat trained um, on this to be able to kind of handle that and hold this, that space. You know, because the other things that will come up, and maybe they do for new time, you know, people like me that are considering hip hop. One question that I would get a lot is, how fit do I have to be? And is it okay for my body type to come to this class? And that was always actually a really big one. So that's like another part of it, like bring, like your particular body and bringing that to a new movement form. That can be super intimidating. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, but you're right. Because like I know a lot of people who have been on the podcast before have said that they didn't hit, do hip hop because their body wasn't the right body. And I, and, and, and I think they were kind of like saying that they were just bigger or like they're, they're like, they had a like bigger hips or like a bigger butt. And I was like, girl, a big butt is never a bad thing, girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And I, especially hip hop. Like, I mean, there's tons of songs about oh big booties. God. Like, come on. That is an asset. Exactly. So much. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, I'm so envious of people with big butts. Like it's, it's a thing. Um, but yeah, like, so like that, the, I guess the lack of encouragement from people who work at the studios, and I'm not bashing anyone who works at a studio, obviously, like, but I think that, like, the, the lack of encouragement sometimes will stop new dancers from being dancers, right? Like, there, like, there are tons of, like, I think you, you and I both know from doing S-Factor that there are tons of mental hurdles mm-hmm. that stop people before they even hit the door, Right there are like there are mental hurdles there are financial hurdles like sometimes classes are just too expensive and there's i mean there's not there's no like there's nothing that i can say that will make money appear in your lap you know what i mean but like we have to realize that like it takes a lot just to get yourself into a class yeah it's incredible especially if you're new yeah yeah it's frightening yeah and like other than like the children in the class and then you feeling discouraged from the people answering the phone like were there any other like I guess, hesitations to taking a class? Yeah, I mean, like, am I going to be able to get the choreography? Um, Am I going to look completely stupid? Um, Does hip-hop even sit on me right? Like, am I going to be able to move like that? Like, I do not want to be moving in the back in, like, one of those videos that people would covertly take to be like, this is terrible. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. That person. And I don't know, maybe I will be. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. So, those, you know, everyone in hip hop is so, like, the persona that you put on when you're dancing in hip hop is so, like, swag. You're so sure of yourself. And it looks, it looks incredibly hot. And you can tell in the background, you're like, there's a lot of confidence that goes into feeling that way. And I'm not sure if I have that confidence. And so I don't know if I will look that way. Yeah. So that was a big part of it too. I, you know, you going the way I, the way I saw it, I could be going into a room full of people that are really confident, like big energy, big personalities, easy and sure of themselves. And I'm going in feeling a little jittery and nervous and like, 
anxious about the whole thing. Will I fit into that space? Yeah. Like, so I will say that that feeling honestly never goes away. <laughs> like I still, I still feel that way every time I take a dance class, even though like, I know for the most part, the teacher and the people that I'm going to be dancing in class with, that feeling never goes away. Like that feeling of like, will I look cool? Am I going to get the step? Like I, I always question, will I get the steps? Because like, that's the point of taking a class at a new class, right? Is that you don't know the steps and you're there to learn it, you know? So there's always a risk that you won't get it. And, and that's fine. Like, this is a class for you. You paid money to this teacher and the teacher now has to teach you. Like, their responsibility is on them, not you, you know? Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. So, like, and people would always say that. They're like, well, and the teacher, if because I remember I would go up to the teacher and, like, be, like, self-deprecating. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry I messed up. Like, I messed up on camera. And they're like, I don't care. Like, you messing up on camera has nothing to do with them as a dancer, you know? Like it has no reflection on them as a teacher because the point of a class is to learn. So like if everyone in class got it perfectly, then no one learned anything. Yeah, that's true. That's and true. I don't and I don't think they'd be happy about that either. I think they'd be like, okay, well, I taught a room full of professionals basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so right. You know? And but I think that's part of the journey is constantly like keeping you on your toes, right? I think that a lot of our society is like, everything has to feel good. If it doesn't feel good, I don't want to do it, you know? And, and I think that that stops a lot of people from, from going out of their comfort zone and pushing themselves. Um, because they're like, cause I mean, honestly, for the most part, like when I first started, I got no choreography. Like I was terrible. Like I didn't even like, I, again, like when you're a baby dancer, your brain is just firing off neurons like all the time because everything is so new and so different. And you're trying to like, just kind of like download all the information to your brain and then to your body. So yeah. you're just, you're just really flustered. <laughs> oh my God. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's like with anything new, like it's like when you try something new for the first time, you'll be lucky if you get 10% of it. Like that's, that's just not dance. Like that's just like whether you're a painter or an artist, like sculpting, like writing, whatever. Like the chances that you're going to get it on the first try, not very likely. Yeah. And, and, and I think like, cause I mean, I think I was telling you this before in our prep call, I was like, I, I don't feel cool. Like I, like the, the person who stepped into class that first day was not a cool person. Let me tell you, <laughs> she was extremely depressed, full of anxiety and just wanted out of her brain for an hour and a half. Like I was not the coolest person in the room by any means, you know? And, and it's so strange because like dance is a persona kind of thing. Like when I see people on Instagram and then I meet them in class, like, yes, they're kind of the same people, but then when you get to know them a bit more, you realize that their dancing persona is not necessarily who they are outside of the dance studio. Mm-hmm. Cause I think like, you're right. Like a, dancing is, it's kind of like acting too. It's kind of like you have to perform, which is, you know, you're, you're not going up there performing as like Jennifer Chang. I'm going up there performing as like a dancer, you know? Yeah. It's kind of the same thing with Beyonce, you know what I mean? She has yeah. Sasha Fierce. Like, if she has a persona, then we all <laughs> can yeah. have one, you know? <laughs> yeah, and you know, now that I'm thinking about it, the thing with salsa that was maybe a bit more approachable was, um, 
you're working with a partner and typically the male partner will lead or whoever, you know, you can have whoever is leading, but you'll have one person leading, one person following, and that's almost always the one following. Ah. I would learn my moves and then they have to do their hand movements and their, you know, slight nudges here and there to tell you which move to do next. But they're the ones coming up with which move you're doing next. They're the ones responsible for making it smooth. They're the ones responsible for making sure that you get the cue that they're giving to you. And all you have to do in, in that is to follow and follow yourself while you follow. So there's a little less responsibility on yourself of, of like, remembering the moves and what you want it there was no planning because you're just really following. You're following yeah yeah you can't plan for it at all um i never thought of salsa that way but yeah you're right that's you're absolutely right that's how it is yeah so there's probably that element to it as well it takes a lot of pressure off i'm sure for most of the leaders in the class the people that were going to be leading you i bet there was a lot more anxiety going on <laughs> now that i think about it yeah, they're probably like, I was like sweating and you're like, oh, I was fine. I was just, was you know, la da Yeah. <laughs> just twirling around. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, it's so strange that like, because yes, like I said, like hip hop is a very solo experience. But the fact that it's a solo experience means that it means that it's all on you to kind of like, it's again, like the teacher is teaching the steps. Yes. But it's also up to you to download the information into your brain translate it from your brain to your body and then you're, and then you're right like it's like how does this sit in my body like how does this like the teacher will always say like you don't have to look exactly like me and do it like I do and I'd be like well what's the point of this class I thought I'm supposed to look like you by the end of this you know what I mean like I thought that was the point of it you know yeah, what came here for. <laughs> exactly like I want to look like you when I dance <laughs> but but they're right they're like because not everybody is like something that we teach in s factors like everybody is different and everybody moves differently to certain to music like we could all be doing the same steps but we look slightly different doing it and and i think that's like that's the glorious part of sometimes doing hip-hop it's like yeah we're all learning these same steps and we all look like we're a cohesive unit but we're also individual in slightly small different ways and and i think that's kind of like I remember when like the whole like looking cool part, I, I was telling you the story about like one day, cause like there in classes, there are cameras mostly, like mostly in hip hop classes, like by at the end of class, the last like 15 minutes, they'll record groups. So like what basically groups is like, they'll pick a certain few people that they've seen in class who are really getting the choreography and they'll put them on camera. And I remember, I think it was like around like month, four maybe five that I was starting to get picked for these groups and do camera and I was not prepared for camera at all like I like I literally thought going to class would be just like me like messing it up here and there like and I do it and I leave and so dancing for camera was not something I was prepared for yeah so so that was added a new level of anxiety into the, all of the things that I was already experiencing yeah uh, and again, like when you watch the social media, like like on the Instagram, like you see all the professionals go. So you're like, oh, they're never gonna pick regular people. Like that's not gonna be me. And then all of a sudden, I get like taps on their shoulder, and I'm like, what? What did you? What are you tapping for? <laughs> and and I'm like, oh snap! Like because like the that's the good and bad part of being committed to something is like people recognize you because now you're here all the time. I know your face. And now I'm watching you in class to see how you're picking it up. And then eventually you become good enough 
to be picked for groups. So it was like a double-edged sword. It was like, yes, I was getting better, but oh no, here's another hurdle I wasn't ready for. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the first couple times I would say no. I'd be like, oh no, I'm not ready for that, you know? And then, then it got to the point where I was just saying no a lot. And I started to feel like, I guess, shame, I guess. Like I started to feel bad about saying no. Like I like, at, at one point it wasn't, I wasn't saying no because I wasn't ready. I was saying no because I was scared of messing up. And I had to realize that about myself. And I was like, why? Like, I'm like, why does this notion of cameras bring so much anxiety in my body? Like why? Because like I would literally have like little mini panic attacks when we got to groups. Like the, like I'd be fine the whole class. But then like the second that we, like he was starting to pick people, I'd be like, ugh. I'd get like flustered and like panic attacks in class. Yeah. And, and I think both you and I, like as me, t- like as I'm telling the story, we're both like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, feel that. I totally get that. <laughs> I feel like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. Me, goodbye. And then like, and I knew people who would leave like at that point, like, cause they didn't want to get picked and they didn't want to have to say no. So they would just straight up leave. And, and I didn't do that. Cause I, cause I did want to watch the people that were going because they were going because they were good. So I wanted to watch them. But that meant I had to stay there and either say no or go. And one day I was like, okay, you can't do this anymore. Like you're, you're, you can't stay in this space of, of scared. Like you have to move forward or go back. And I was like, well, fuck that. I'm not going back. I spent five months in this journey. I'm not going to go back because of this one hurdle. Right. And I was like, so I was like okay, well, if I can't jump it completely, I'm going to try and sidestep it. So I, I was like, the next time you get picked to go in groups, you have to go. I was like, I don't, I don't care what you have to do. You're going to move your feet (laughs) and get out there and go. And, and that's what I had to tell myself. I had to make a point to be falsely confident. I was not the person who was like, I'm the shit. Like I can do this. Like I'm so confident as a dancer. I had to fake it. Yeah. And and that's kind of like, cause I think I was telling someone else before. It's like, people think that you get confidence and then you do the thing but you get confidence by doing the thing, right? Yes. Wow. That was really wise. (laughs) That's true. That's what I've been spending my quarantine time doing is being wise. Yeah, I'm just getting wiser. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Read a few books here and there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, but like, but that's the, but that's the thing. That's the, I guess the misconception is people think that people who are dancers started off as confident people you know what I mean? But dance made them confident people. And, and I think, and that's honestly what's happened for me and a lot of the people that I've talked to on the podcast is like, I, I mean, I'm still not the super most confident person, but I am more confident since I started dancing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that like the, like, I think people who are like people like you and me who are like always asking questions about what class will be like, you just have to under, like, you just have to know that, like, it will, it will never be perfect. It will never be all the elements that you want. You just have to decide to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. You do. You have to just decide to be uncomfortable. That's true. Yeah. And, and that's where the best growth is too. Like, I mean, no one has all the things that they want and suddenly decides to grow into a better person. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like that's like the, the uncomfortableness is where, and plus that's where we figure out, a lot about ourselves yeah like the like the when I was having all these anxiety attacks I was like and I had to ask I'm like what like why why like why am I reacting this way to a camera being in the classroom all of a sudden yeah where's that coming from mm-hmm. 
and I, and, and I think a lot of the work with S Factor too was about that because like I think a lot of my background in S Factor was like they they taught you to ask a lot of questions um and I remember I remember the questions that they always used to ask that I'd be like this is stupid uh they would be <laughs> they'd be like well what is your body trying to say today oh yeah and they're like well what is your body trying to tell you and I w- I'd always be like, well, I don't know. She's never said anything, so I don't know. She's, she doesn't really talk that much. And and I had to realize that, like, she was saying things the whole time. I just wasn't listening. Like, it was me. Like, I wasn't the one who was – I wasn't open to hearing what she had to say. And I think when I started hip-hop is when she became very vocal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow, Yeah. Like, because, like, cause that for the, the first time in my life, like, I was very, I was a very type A student. Like, I had good grades, perfect attendance. Like, I looked perfect on paper, right? I never had to use my body for anything. I played sports here and there, but it was just, like, just to keep me busy and, like, no, not on drugs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, this was the first time that I had invested, like, I, like, made a decision consciously to be like, okay, I'm going to use my body for this one thing. And... So when I, when I did that, which means that I, of course, I had to listen to my body a lot more, like, even though, like, when, like, I had to see, like, okay, how many classes a day can I take and not be, like, you know, like, hurt myself or be super sore, like, like, okay, like, nutrition-wise, like, my body needs, does, does she need more protein? Do I need to drink more water? Like, and, and even, like, just in, like, like, certain moves, like, okay, well, that was a man doing this move, like, how, do, how does a female body do this move? You know what I mean? Oh, so, like, you experiment in class. Yeah, right? And, and I, and I think that happens a lot too in, in hip hop is like, I take a lot of classes from dudes. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but I, I was notorious for hair flips and of course men don't do hair flips. So, (laughs) oh my God, I love that. Yeah. And so like, I, I would find places in, in the choreography to do a hair flip on my own and like that, that's just because my body felt like doing it. And I was like, yeah, here, this is the spot for a hair flip, you know? So like, even though it wasn't in the choreography my body was like, yes, this right here, this is where we, where we shine, you know? Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah. Like enough about me, but like, I feel like I went on like a whole like 10 minute tangent about myself. So but, <laughs> love the hair flip. I mean, yes. Yeah. I mean, hair flip, like hair flips are always a good thing. I, I will, I will never not do a hair flip. Yeah, no, it's, it would be inappropriate to cycle a hair flip. <laughs> <laughs> true statement, true statement. <laughs> Oh, so I guess like, I guess now that like, we've talked, we've now talked about hip hop twice with each other. Um, Does your, does, I mean, not that we're like, despite the fact that we're still in a pandemic and we're technically in quarantine, like, does your hesitation for hip hop still linger? Is it lessened or has it worsened since we've been talking about it more? I think it's actually lessened, you know, I'm like, hearing it from somebody that felt the same way as I did and then did a whole year of dance, right? I'm like, oh, we're the same and you you did it. I feel like I can probably do it. And I never had that before. I never had anyone be like, I've been where you've been. Really, I've been exactly there and now I'm here and you can do that too. So definitely lessened. Good, good. Because I I was like, please don't say worse. And then I I feel like I like, I wouldn't want anyone to backtrack because they had a conversation with me, obviously. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, but but I think because like when someone was telling me that like because she was a bigger girl and she thought that she couldn't dance, um, but seeing someone else who was like her like her her body size dancing made her be like, oh well, if she can do it, then I can do it. You know? Yeah, totally. 
and it goes back to that like the idea of like representation matters yeah yeah like for everything like if you see someone who is coming from the same point of like a beginnerness (laughs) that's a word yeah beginner yeah because like again like every every person you see on tv like all the dancers who would dance on the super bowl or whatever you assume or you know that they started at like three years old you know what i mean like they were like baby ballet at three years old yeah so 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 again you're like okay well we didn't come from the same scenario so like i'm not even going to compare myself to them because we're not the same yeah but but when you hear it from someone who's like i guess like quote unquote normal and like who started from a late age you're like okay well like i mean like they're they're closer to me like they're more of like my style like they her and i share the same path you know yeah yeah and also like hearing it from someone that is not so you're not saying like I started dance because this is going to be my career future and my goal is this and I'm going to become professional. I'm going to do all of this stuff. And you're like, oh, I don't relate to that at all. Like, I want to do it because it's fun. Yes. Yes. It, that's also a very LA thing too. It's like whatever your side hustle is, we're like, oh, is this going to be like what makes you millions of dollars? Um, but that's also, I mean, our we have a capitalist society too. It's like all the, all the things that you do have to relate in money. Yeah. Which is not the case. Like, there are things that you can do, like, that you do just for yourself that make you happy. And, I, and, I, and especially in this pandemic and this quarantine, I think we're all realizing the things that that we missed that made us really happy and that the things that we really want to get back to doing. Um, but, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's the, the notion that, like, and it sucks that, like, because I remember I before I started my own podcast, I would reach out to other dance podcasts. And I'm like, hey, I want to be on your podcast. I just finished like a dance challenge and I want other people to hear about it. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, Oh, well we're full for the year. Or like we, like we, like, I'm like, Oh, they're like, Oh, well if we need it, if we need a non-professional perspective, I'll call you. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well like, and like, and that's the thing is it feels very like, I guess a little disrespectful sometimes it feels, it feels like because I didn't start at three, like I didn't have the hindsight at two and a half years old to be like, mom, can I can I take a dance class? You know, like <laughs> yeah, shame I, on me, shame on two and a half year old me. I know it's ridiculous. I mean, I honestly do not know. I've never been one of those people that's had a, a, a hobby since very young. I've always gone through lots of different things. So yeah, I just do not get that. And yeah, what you're supposed to be like? You should have known at three that in your late twenties this would have come in useful. I mean, God, you think anyone in their late twenties when you're three is like? close to death <laughs> <That's true. laughs> but yeah like like, the, like I know it was over email but the tone of it was like oh if I need a non-professional I'll call you it's like okay well do you re- like they don't think they realize that like the non-professional pool of people is so much larger mm-hmm. than the professional pool of people mm-hmm. and again like again it feels very like in disrespectful but again it also goes back to you feeling like there's no place for you in dance like it feels like if you're not three years old trying to become a professional or you're already a professional then I don't want to hear from you yeah which again this is which is why I decided to start my own podcast I was like well if you don't want me to be on yours I'm gonna start my own (laughs) I am so into that yeah (laughs) Yeah, like, cause, like, I, I would see, like, and I reached out to, like, to newspapers, 
that were doing um, articles on like studio shutting down in LA. And, and again, the response was like, well, if I do a follow-up on like podcasts or like non-professional dancers, I'll call you. Mm. And, I was, and I was like, and I, and I pitched it as like, if people still want to train, like while they can't, while studios are closed, maybe they should listen to the podcast. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, like, I, like I framed it as it being helpful for people. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, you know, we'll call you. Oof. Yeah. Oof. So again, it feels like, it feels like that's, I think that's why I'm so like passionate about this podcast and like educating people because they're, I guess there, there seems to be this, like this notion that everyone has to be professionally good. Yeah at it and that's not the case like I mean like yes I would like to dance like a professional but that doesn't mean I want to make money off of it yeah and and also I'm having fun like I mean I wouldn't have done a whole year of it if I wasn't enjoying it you know like I'm not a masochist I I wasn't gonna like you know just keep doing it because I said I would right (laughs) like so I guess like I guess how like how do you like how do you wish to move forward like I guess like in a perfect world, like if we were out of quarantine tomorrow, like how would you go forward with like finding a class? Like, would you want someone to hand you a blueprint of like, here are all the studios to take, here are all the classes, go. Or would you like want someone to be like, take this one, go. Yeah, you know, the blueprint sounds really good. And even <laughs> like, that would be amazing if, you know, it was like, this studio is good for this kind of vibe this studio is good for this vibe I have been to this class and this is what and this was the experience as a new person going to this class this is what it felt like mm-hmm. that would be amazing yeah and like in a, and I think because like again since I've been going to class so much I've kind of made a like a, a similar family of people like me like everyone that's been on this podcast is like me like they they may have started like earlier than I did but they may have quit for different reasons and then come back to it um, but they're not professionals either. Like they're just people who love to dance because they couldn't get it out of their brain. You know, like they've been going their whole life thinking about dance, and and we and, and I do that with them. I'm like, hey, have you taken this house class at so and so studio, or like, have you taken this like heels class? And like, and that's how I get the kind of blueprint from the other people in my like dance family, I guess. Um, but yeah, that goes a long way. And, and again, it's because we're we're similar. So like, so they know my, my skill level. Cause like they've been in class with me and they're familiar with it. And all of my friends know that I take a lot of dude, like classes from dudes. So like, they know what my style is versus like, you know, their style. So they, they know how to like give the correct advice that I'm looking for. Um, but you're right. I think, I think that would go a long way, especially because the, the pool of beginners in LA is very wide and diverse. Like some people may have started young, but then quit because they felt like their body wasn't the right body or they felt very intimidated by people and they just weren't good enough. So they quit. Um, or there are people like me who like got into it, like in their like twenties, you know, but yeah, I think a blueprint is helpful there. I honestly don't think there's anything out there like that. Um, but Hey, that could be the next thing that I start after this quarantine. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. It would be, I'm telling you, for me, incredibly useful if that was available. So, like, so I guess, like, I guess, yes, information is king, yes. Um, so, like, I guess, like, if you just had more information about studios, teachers, classes, that would make you feel better about going to class? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, just kind of knowing what it would look like. And maybe even when you are calling the studios, that little bit of encouragement. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like, I got you. Come by. Like, I can hear that you're nervous. Just come by early. I'll be at the desk. We can chat. I'll get you ready. Yes. Like, I, I think I've said several times on this podcast. I'm like, if we get out of quarantine, if you're listening to this and we're out of quarantine and you're at a class at Playground, I'll probably be there. Come say hi. You know what I mean? Like, and I, and I think that's like, we're human nature is where, where I guess you could say we're pack animals, right? Like we, we like to move in groups. Yeah. Like that's why there's safety in numbers, you know? Is that like, cause I remember when I, when I first started dancing, I didn't know anyone. Like I didn't gather up the posse and go to class. I just went on my own. And, and I was very like <laughs> shy cause you're just like freaking out. But like, as time went on, I didn't know who was going to be in class, but by the time I got there, I knew, I knew at least like three to five people in class. Right. And then you kind of like dance next to each other and you get each other's energy and each other's vibes. And then like, and that's when the fun starts. Like when you're, when you have friends in class and you start vibing together. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think that's kind of what it is. It's like, it's the, the more people you, it's, it's finding your people, I guess. And, and like I said, there's so many like non-professional people that, finding your people won't be hard like even though you decide to go to that one class by yourself and you don't know anyone but if you keep going regularly you'll find people who are there just as much as you are yeah yeah that makes a big difference knowing who you're going to be around mm-hmm. yeah and like in granted yes like I, I would love for the people who answer the phone just to be a little bit more encouraging I would absolutely love that um and I think that you can see that and, and like if studios decided to go that route, you would definitely see your like your class numbers increase and your revenue increase because the people I would say like now the people who call and then come to class is like it's like thirty percent completion. Like people call all the time, but don't ever follow through. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because like either they got really intimidated, or they didn't get the information that they wanted. Or they, they felt the, the vagueness in, the, in their tone, you know? So, they, so they, either they didn't come to class at all or they just went somewhere else. Yeah. But I, I, I guarantee if, I, if someone was just like a little bit more like, you know, like, are you, like I'll be at the front desk. Like I can tell you that like this class might be hard, but you'll get through it. Like stuff like that goes a long way. Yeah. Oh my God. If I had that, I would be like, okay, this person has got me. So I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. She, Fine. she said true to her word. Yes. Yeah. She said she's got me. She's going to help me. So. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it goes back to like the, the not knowing like what it felt like to be a beginner. Yeah. And I can get I feel, that too, you know, yeah. doing it for so long, you kind of do forget. It makes sense. Yeah. Like I was telling someone, I was like, I'm sure that like LeBron doesn't remember like his first basketball game or like what it was like to hold a basketball. Like he just, he just remembers always being this way, you know? Yeah. But but I'm sure, but at one point he was a beginner. I'm sure his mom and like people who grew up with him can, can attest like, yeah, you were a beginner at one point, you know? Yeah. Wow. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Right. Wow. <laughs> but that's, but that's the parts that we don't see. Like there weren't cameras watching him. Like, you know, as like, I don't know when he started, but like there weren't cameras following him when he was that little, there's cameras following him now, but they weren't always around. Yeah. They showed up when he got to high school because he was just dominating every game that he played. And then they would send cameras to high school games just to watch him, you know? But no one ever starts out that way. Yeah. Which is like, which is the thing that I want to be like, look, you're not going to be good when you start, but it's going to get better, I promise. <laughs> it will get better. I know. So like, oh, I guess like, I guess my final like question would be like, what is it going to take 
to get you into a class after this quarantine is over? Um, you should take me to a class. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it is it kind of like the salsa thing? If like, if someone came to you and was like, I found a class, this is the time, this is how much it costs, I'm going to register us, just show up. Yeah, I would go. Yeah, like if like if someone did all the work for you. Yeah. <laughs> I know that sounded really bad, but like <laughs> that sounded perfect. <laughs> like yes, that would absolutely get me to go. <laughs> yeah, like and I I think I think it's because like it's not like the responsibility is on you. It's like, well, they picked this class. If I don't like it, that's because they picked it or like you know what I mean, like or if they pick this class and I don't love it, I'll just find something else that I love, you know? Yeah. Or even but, I'm just going because my friend is telling me to go. It doesn't work out. No one's going to tell how much I wanted it to work out. Like, oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, I think that that's, that's a really interesting point. It's like, it's this, like, this idea of, like, I really want it, but I'm not going to say that I really want it. Yeah. And I wonder why we do that. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, th- I was honest the entire time of my dance challenge. I was like, I want to be good at dance. And, and I think it was just because I was just on it. At that point, when you're so, like, I guess exhausted from the life that you're living, lying to yourself feels even more exhausting. Oh, yeah. And then lying to other people is more exhausting than that. So I think at that point, I was just like, I, I don't have energy to lie anymore. Mm-hmm. Because it, tr- it truly is exhausting. It's exhausting to live a life that is not yours. Yeah, that's true. That's like so much wisdom coming out. Of this <laughs> oh my gosh. I am on a roll. Someone get me a book deal. <laughs> but yeah, like, so I think, I think that's why at that point I started the dance shop. So I was just like, look, I'm going to try this. If it does, like, I've got, and I was honest, like every time that I felt like shit going out of class, I said it, I did an Instagram post about it. Um, I think I did like a live story, like not a live, but like a story where I was like close to tears because I just did terribly in that class. But like, I was doing it because I was like, this is what it looks like to to be in this position that I'm in. Like I like, I mean, in hindsight, a year and a half later, I understand why it happened that way. But when I was going through it, I was just trying to be honest. That was the only goal. You know, but again, I think it's that we, and had I been like, had I been like, well, I don't really want it to work, but I really do. Like, had I had that like perspective, I wouldn't have posted nearly as much as I did. And I wouldn't have posted the true raw honesty of it. Mm. Which you would know? have been such a shame because that was like gold. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, and it's like, like writers of TV shows always say is like, when you kill off like the most beloved characters is when people pay the most attention, you know? And, and it's because it's, it's this like, I guess, gut wrenching, like, of course, like these people aren't real, but you've like, you've attached real emotions to them. Yeah. And I attached real emotions to this dance challenge. I was like, and I, and I had always loved dancers to begin with, like, cause, because they were confident people. I was like, I wish I could be that confident in anything that I did. Like, just anything. And that point in my life, I wasn't confident about anything. Like, nothing. Like, nothing was going right. I felt confident about nothing. Wow. So I was like, well, this is the, if I'm going to do it, this is going to be the time to do it. 
and it, it is so and I and I again like I really want to understand why we do that as like uh I guess a species of why we we lie to ourselves and say that we we don't really want something when we really do yeah I, I mean it could totally be re, oh, be related to that fear of failure you know if everybody knows you want it and you fail everyone also knows you failed like you can't really hide that yeah failed or maybe it could be coming from there I mean that's what I think but I'm sure. right like yeah like I'm no therapist yeah no therapist but yeah and it's probably even more I mean there's probably so much wrapped up in that yeah like there's like yes a failure failure is definitely something that I like as, especially like as a I guess I call myself a recovering perfectionist. It's like, it's that idea of like that feeling of failure is like, it feels like death almost. Like it's a very real thing. Yeah. It's, it, it feels like grief almost. Like when you, when you don't do well in something, you feel like you've, it's, it's, it's like a loss or grief or like suffering almost. Yeah. Everything becomes bleak. You don't do well at one thing. You suddenly, you're convinced you don't do well at anything. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I think that stops a lot of people, I guess, from like, because there are a lot of people who are like creative, but also have like a business mind, too. Um, I realize like, so I, I've been just talking to people like this and they're like, oh, you're a very creative person. And I'd be like, what? I'd be so shocked. I like, what do you mean? Like, like and I'd be like, I, and I never saw myself as a creative person because in order to be creative, you have to try things and fail. Like, like a lot of creatives, like a lot of people write books and like they write stories and articles, whatever. And 90% of it doesn't see the light of day. Yeah. And like, and you get rejected a lot. And like, and that's the same thing as, as a dancer. Like you go to auditions a lot and you get rejected a lot and you might book a job here and there, but the, the game is rejection. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, nope staying away from that rejection was something that I was definitely afraid of and I was and my, my psyche could not handle it <laughs> no I get that I, I mean like also from the perspective of living as a writer in LA yeah rejection is your bread and butter you will apply and submit to what 100 things and you're gonna hear a very polite no from 99 of them yes you're like yes. cool thanks so yeah so being a creative like and a dancer and a writer and all these things is opening yourself up to rejection mm -hmm. and then moving on as if it didn't happen moving on with the same enthusiasm as you did the 99 other times you got rejected mm -hmm. and that muscle was something that i was not used to flexing at all so becoming a dancer not only made me like gain muscle but i, I had to flex mental muscles that i didn't have before and I had to come to the terms with like, with the fact that, yes, I, I, I guess I am, an, <laughs> I guess I can declare it, but like, I am a creative person. Like I, I've realized now that when I, whenever I had office jobs or whatever, I get bored like after a month. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and I'd be like, why? Like, I mean, like, again, cause we all, I mean, you grew up in Australia, but like I grew up in a, in a U.S. public school system where they're like, you know, like go to college, get a job, retire. And I'd, and I would try, like I would go to offices, I get an office job at a cubicle eight hours a day. And I'd be like, why isn't this making me happy? Like this, like, this is what they told me I was supposed to do and I'm doing it, but I don't feel fulfilled. Like I don't feel the joy that they said I'd get. <laughs> 
And I think it is because I am mostly a creative person. I just wasn't, again, I wasn't flexing those muscles because I was afraid of the rejection. An office job is safe. That's the point of it, right? It's safe. It's comfortable. A little itchy, but like it's, it's comfortable. <laughs> because you, you know what you're getting, right? Yeah. yeah. And with a the, with the creative life, you get, you get no guarantees. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The world is, I mean, the world is so much more vibrant if you're creative. It's also a lot more frightening. It's a, a lot more spontaneous for sure. It's actually just a lot more of everything. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, so I, we're coming up short on our time together here, which makes me very sad. Yeah. Um, but so, so you said that like, yes, having a blueprint would help you make a decision of going to class. And even if, and if someone did all the work for you, like give you the class to take, just show up, that would be like ideal, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am not afraid to do that for you. I'm not afraid to do the work. <laughs> I love that. I'm into that. <laughs> I know. So like, so... I guess so. Like, let's pretend that we're out of quarantine and you're, and I'm picking a class for you. What are the things that like are must-haves for you? Must-haves. Hmm. Question. Like, what kind of teacher? Like, male, female? Like, big class, small class? Hip hop, contemporary? Yeah, I think probably. Ooh, God, great question. Yeah, I would probably go with like a, a class that's like really beginner just classic hip-hop nothing nothing like we're gonna do a popping class or like a, oh yeah you no know, like nothing that's gonna really show me up for not being able to do it um almost like a class that would just do the basics and then i guess they have no preference for gender just a teacher that you know is friendly that you're mm-hmm. going to be like oh you're like new. welcoming uh-huh yeah and and the timing thing too, like you're saying, you know, a class that's not going to be uh, in the workday if you're if you're in a job at that time or like whatever kind of job you're likely to be doing. It's like a class that is actually easy to get to. And I think we actually spoke about this too, like a place that's easy to get to, somewhere where you know you can find parking. You're not going to be driving around for half an hour just trying to find parking or even find the entrance you know yeah it's mm-hmm. really hard to find too and if you're already nervous about going somewhere that just conflates the whole thing you're just like oh my god I don't know where this is I look like an idiot I can't even find the class I'm definitely not gonna be able to do the class I can't even find the door you know yeah that's a huge point that's a good thing for mentioning yeah 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 so if you're if you own a studio and you just happen to listen to this episode those <laughs> those are the things that a beginner is looking for <laughs> So if you want to add to your arsenal of classes, once this is all over, this yeah. is what beginners, <laughs> this is what our thought pattern looks like. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Allie. I really appreciate it. And, and I think that you, thank you for being open about your experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been really good to talk it out and hearing your story has got me very excited all over again for this. So yay now quarantine hurry up and end so we can so we can do the thing so we can do the damn thing yes all right guys thank you so much we'll see each other next week bye thank you for listening to this episode of five six seven eight 
Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the5678podcast. There, you can also sign up for the Dancers Club newsletter at the link in our bio. See you next week for another new episode. Bye.